episode of Daily American Press's Chatting with Abby. It is another commute for me on a Monday. I woke up to great news this morning, and I want to talk about it. Elon Musk bought a bunch of Twitter stock. He bought so much Twitter stock that he is the largest shareholder. So no one owns the company public owns the company, but Elon Musk owns 9.2% of it, which is more than anyone else. The people who are behind Elon Musk are Vanguard Investments, Morgan Stanley Investments, and that creepy company that we keep hearing about called BlackRock. Even further behind, not directly behind, I, I didn't memorize this entire list, but back in the list a little bit is Jack Dorsey, the founder and previous CEO of Twitter. He only owns two and a quarter percent of Twitter, of the company that he made. So Elon Musk owns way more of Twitter than the guy who created it, which is incredible. I don't know what this is going to mean. This came on the heels, if you missed it, of Elon Musk putting out a poll to his massive Twitter following, just asking, uh, do you think that Twitter is is doing right by freedom of speech? Are they doing right by the people on their platform considering the people use Twitter as a form of town hall? Do you think it's important that they adhere to free speech? Or do you think that their censorship is perfectly fine? I don't remember the exact wording he used, but that was the gist of it. And overwhelmingly, people voted uh, that Twitter was violating free speech and that that was a bad thing. And Elon hinted at the time that he was going to do something about it. Now, context for this, and I don't want to pretend like I know what motivates Elon Musk to do anything he does, but I do know that he really likes the Babylon Bee, that he used to like The Onion for its satire, but got kind of turned off The Onion by how partisan they were. He just didn't think that they were funny anymore, so he found the Babylon Bee uh, a couple years ago and uh, developed a relationship with them such that uh, around Christmas time, he did a sit-down interview with the Babylon Bee for free Uh, where he just let them ask him questions, kind of like a Joe Rogan interview, the top guys at the Babylon Bee. So if you want to see that interview, I think it's available to anybody. I'm pretty sure Elon Musk told them, don't put this behind a paywall. I gave it to you for free. You can't put it behind a paywall. So I'm, I'm fairly certain that's something that anybody can find on YouTube, that interview with the Babylon Bee and, and Elon Musk. But Right before Elon put out that poll, Twitter censored the Babylon Bee for their joke that they were awarding Rachel slash Richard Levine, the transgender biological male admiral of the Navy, I think. I don't even know what he's an admiral of, but calling him the man of the year giving him the man of the year award because USA Today gave him the woman of the year award, which is just ridiculous. (sighs) Why do men get to be better at everything, including being women? That is completely unfair. But anyway, 
just from the timing alone and Elon's relationship with the Babylon Bee makes me kind of think that that was the last straw for Elon. That Twitter taking away his favorite satire site was enough for him to decide to do something about um, the censorship at Twitter. So my guess is from all this that he is at least going to try to do something. Now, the question is, does he own enough Twitter to do something? Uh, Allegedly, it gets him a seat on the board or multiple seats on the board. I think there's a lot of people who aren't completely sure what this means because generally people don't buy that much of a company all at once. But uh, he's Elon Musk, and he's the richest man in the world, and he can uh, apparently buy controlling interest in a company just because they took away his favorite satire site. So let's see what happens. I'm curious what's, I'm really curious what's going to happen. I am cautiously optimistic, but I don't know, A, how much influence he's going to have with 9.2% of the company in his hands. I don't know how much companies like BlackRock who also own a significant portion are going to be able to push back at him for things. And uh, there's a lot of really powerful people in the world who can push back against against this, including the White House. The White House has been known to put pressure on social media platforms for uh, allowing certain types of speech on their platforms. It's been an interesting, if you follow the news in the past couple years, it's been an interesting relationship between private companies who you would think have the right to do whatever they want and the government that protects and puts pressure on those private companies. Um, one thing to note is that there is a provision uh, there's a law that allows Twitter to be to not be held accountable for certain things because they are the public square. And that's really good for Twitter. However, when they don't act like the public square, when they censor free speech, then a lot of people think they don't deserve that law to be protecting them anymore. But Twitter has become so big that it's so powerful that even when Republicans had control of, of things uh, years ago, nobody did anything. Of course, the, the censorship issue wasn't, wasn't as big of a deal back then, so maybe that's an unfair thing for me to put forward. But to date, no one has done anything about that obvious discrepancy between one law protecting platforms like Twitter because they are the town square and then them not acting like the town square. It's an interesting relationship between government, town square, and free speech. Um, Another example is a phone company uh, is a private company, but they don't have the right to turn off your cell service for saying things that they don't like on their lines. So I think that as a culture, we need to get a better understanding of free speech. Sometimes I think it's fair to realize our conception of free speech isn't working. If it, if our conception of free speech doesn't apply 
to something as far-reaching and powerful as Twitter, then it's not a good enough conception of free speech. We should probably edit it. I think when private companies become so powerful, they're operating almost in the role of governments, then you have to start questioning whether they should have the rights of private companies or whether they should be held to the standards of governments. And I think that as we go along and continue to live in this world where there are companies that big, including Elon Musk's, I mean, he has so much power and influence just just in and of himself, I think that there should be laws to protect the rights of the people against private companies that happen to have that much money and power. And I don't know what that looks like. And I'm sure that there's ways to do that wrong. I'm sure that you're thinking of some right now. Um, But I think we need to have a conversation about it. Um, uh, So yeah, so that is Elon Musk. The next thing I wanted to talk about was the midterm elections coming up. So there's obviously an election coming up in in the fall. Whenever people say the 2022 election, I get confused because I don't think it's 2022 because my brain strongly associated certain things with the year 2020. My brain associated the pandemic with 2020. My brain associated masks with 2020. My brain associated... COVID measures in general with 2020. So when nothing changed at the turn of the year and all those things that my brain had strongly associated with 2020 didn't change, my brain just decided it was still 2020. And so it wasn't until 2022 that my brain allowed me to start believing that it was 2021. So I'm just a whole year behind in my thinking. But contrary to my belief, this year is midterms and the Democrats don't seem particularly worried. And there there could be a couple reasons for that. And some of them I like more than others. Reason number one is that they are worried. And they are just unable or unwilling to show that weakness. Um, and that, that, I can see. I can see that. I can see not wanting to... To, to pretend you still have power when you know it's slipping away from you. That's that's a human thing to do. Uh, another is that they are so... And it could be a mix of a couple of these reasons. They are so deep in their own ideology. Believe so truly in their rightness. Believe so thoroughly the lies of mainstream media. The lies that even they have been saying. Their own lies. That... Anyone who disagrees with them is just a far-right, radical, extremist minority, not representative of of the regular population. No way that those people would ever beat you. Because they have been minimizing us and dehumanizing us and erasing us and censoring us for a couple years now. Years now. That, um... I can see how maybe they've talked themselves into believing, despite poll numbers to the contrary, that somehow they're gonna, they're gonna do really well in 2022 instead of the red wave just completely annihilating them. Now, I think it's probably a combination, if I had to take a guess about this, it's probably a combination of 
people at higher levels knowing they're going to lose and choosing to pretend like they think they're going to win so that when they don't, they can call for violence and hold on to their power. I think that if if we see a red wave in in the fall, we could probably expect some significant protesting and violence from the left. I don't want to wish that on this country, but I I could see that may be happening if if they are if they are really startled by the outcome if if it takes them really off guard i can see violence being something that a lot of deluded people fall into because they don't know what else to do with themselves because they can't admit that they uh were in the minority another thing that is possible is they're not worried because they know they're going to steal it like they did in 2020. Now, I'm not sure if I believe that they stole it in 2020. There's... I have been of the opinion that we should audit everything. That as long as there was a lack of faith in our system by a significant portion of the population, that we should just audit everything. We should just do the investigations and make sure we clean it all up and find whatever issues there were. And it sounds like from reports, certain places did get cleaned up where there were problems. Roles were cleared up. Um, Dead people were removed from roles. Um, At least these are the reports that, that places where there were issues have gotten a little bit of a facelift. Um, but, and there was some, some voter fraud that was, was proven in, in Maricopa County, Arizona in particular, um, there were a bunch of places where there was proof. So I definitely think that there was fraud. I just don't necessarily believe that there was enough to overturn the election. But at this point, I don't think it matters. Like if there, if there was enough, I don't think it was by a lot. I don't think Trump won by a landslide. Um, I know that that's a fun, almost a fun thing to believe, but too many people hated Trump. Too many people on the right hated Trump. Um, too many people voted red down the ballot and blue at the top. Too many people believed Biden's campaign that he was going to be moderate. And they were so tired of, I mean, even I was so tired of making excuses for Trump. I still voted for him, but I was really tired of this the type of man he was in in the White House, especially with the the world as crazy as it as it was, it was just hard to keep defending him. And I just wanted to relax. <laughs> and I know that's a little bit silly, and I I really miss him. I, I, I he's grown on me in hindsight. And like I said, I did vote for him. I voted for him twice, 2016 and 2020. But I know a lot of people who lean conservative, who did not vote for him, who voted third party or voted for Biden. And I think that that was more common than anyone really wants to admit. Trump really didn't do himself any favors. He made himself very easy to hate. And then the mainstream media made him even easier to hate. And there were just a lot of things about him that were really difficult to swallow. And I'll contrast that with Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis stands up to people and they hate him 
mainstream media hates him and they they try really really hard to paint him as a monster they try really really hard to paint him in the same strokes that they painted Trump but it doesn't stick because he's such a good guy he doesn't kowtow to anybody he has a lot of that same brazenness but he's not an asshole (laughs) and uh, you know hate me for criticizing Trump but he just didn't do himself any favors and so that's why I think if 2020 was stolen it wasn't stolen by much and there's a good chance it wasn't but reining all that in one thing I would encourage you to think about when you look at a conspiracy theory that you hold is what does this conspiracy theory produce in me What's the result if I believe this? What's the conclusion? Because I have talked to people on Twitter where their conclusion of their conspiracy theory is 2020 was stolen. Therefore, I'm never voting again. I'm never going to a ballot box and casting my vote because it's meaningless and it's a waste of time. That's bad. When the the conclusion of your conspiracy theory when that's the product it produces in you that you're not going to even try anymore you, you've just completely given it up and all you're going to do for the rest of ever is, is yell about it online and never even try to vote again if there's even a 1% chance that you're wrong and that your vote really does count and that your party really needs you to go out and vote to get those numbers and you just sit on the couch because you are unwilling to use 20 minutes of your life to, to vote, I I don't get it. I don't get the logic there. I would still be voting even if I was 99% sure that it was meaningless, if that 1% was still there that maybe this vote is worth something. And no one has proved that conclusively that our voting is completely, completely destroyed. There are places, I'm sure, where it's worse than others. But we can just, until we can fix that, I think we can make up for it in other areas. I think that's the way out of this. Because it seems like there are still places where the voting works. Like in Virginia, when we flipped Virginia red in the last election. And a lot of people who were really attached, weirdly attached to their 2020 was stolen theory which still could be true. I'm not trying to put that down. There are, there's a lot of good evidence that that happened. Um, but people were so attached to that theory that they said, oh, well, they just gave us Virginia to make us shut up about the election. I don't think the left would ever, have you, have you ever seen the left making concessions ever? Have you ever seen them backing down ever? I mean, They're still masking children in New York City. That's how little these people back down. So I don't buy it for one second that they that they just willingly gave us Virginia to get us off their backs. I think we won Virginia. We completely won Virginia. And another thing that changes things is voter fraud is so much harder when you have conservative poll watchers when conservatives take the time and invest in the system and actually sit there and fight and make sure 
that people don't come in with backpacks full of ballots, that people don't come in with suitcases full of ballots. That can't happen when there's a bunch of people who are being vigilant and giving of their time at the polls. So whatever your conspiracy theory is, if your conspiracy theory gives you an excuse to stay on the couch whining instead of getting out and fighting in the ways that are available to us, and it just gives you an excuse to to whine on the internet anonymously and never ever do anything of value in your real life um i think that's a pretty shit conspiracy theory i'm not going to lie truth produces good things i would say as a general rule if a conspiracy theory is true I think that it will produce good things. Now, I really enjoy poking conspiracy theories. I really enjoy reading Legends of Bigfoot and, and all this. It, it's scintillating in a way. Like, what if there's a secret knowledge that I can have that other people don't have? What if I am smarter than everyone else because I figured out and I believe that this thing is true when most of the population does it? It makes you feel really special. Now, it is really satisfying to slice through lies and get to truth. Truth is really satisfying. And so a conspiracy theory that brings you joy, actual joy, not more like intellectual superiority over the plebeians who haven't had their eyes opened yet, the poor, naive little peasants who don't know the truth. No, if it actually gives you joy because it, it, it brings you closer to the truth or you just enjoy the thrill of the hunt of finding the truth because the truth is a good and beautiful thing, that's awesome. Keep chasing your conspiracy theories. I, I have absolutely no issue with that. Um, believe in Bigfoot all day long. As long as believing in Bigfoot doesn't mean that you sit on your butt and never go camping or that you act superior to your neighbors because you have secret knowledge or whatever it is. Like if your conspiracy theory is making you either A, useless or B, an asshole, then maybe rethink it. That's just my take on conspiracy theories. I, I know too many people on the right who have taken on these conspiracy theories that give them permission their crutches that give them permission to do what they wanted to do anyway, which is nothing, which is to be a coward on their couch yelling anonymously on the internet. And it's the cowardice of conservatives that is why we're in the mess we're in now. It is the laziness and the cowardice, the apathy. And I get it. The conservative spirit is I want to take care of my farm and be left alone. The conservative spirit isn't particularly revolutionary. That's what makes it the conservative spirit. You, it's, it's a build my fence and protect my land and conserve. And that's the spirit of the whole thing. And the kind of people who are drawn to that, it, it can be tough for the, our fighting side to wake up, to really begin to defend. But we have lost so much ground that what conservatives need 
is a little bit of revolutionary spirit. Now, I don't mean get at your guns and shoot people at all. To all the feds that are listening, I am not calling for violence. I am not calling for any breaking of the law. But the spirit of the left is really powerful to create change. And what conservatives need is a little bit of that fighting spirit directed in the right direction. And a lot less of that apathetic, I'm sorry that I'm being so harsh and yet I'm not sorry because it's, I'm a little bit sick of the, I'm very sick of the whole attitude of the left has just made life so difficult and there's nothing I can do because they just stole the election. And for four years we had Trump and he was this amazing savior and he just, he made life so good. And then they took him from us. Trump is not your savior. Trump is not Jesus. Now you can like him as much as you want and I will never take that from you. But he, he's an old man. Even if he got another term, he would have only been able to help you for another four years. At some point, conservatives, you got to get off your butt. Stop pretending to not be conservative in all of your circles. Stand up for yourself stand up for you believe and actually figure out what you believe in and don't be squishy about it and don't apologize for the things that you value be prepared for it to be a little bit painful because we have lost way too much ground for this to be comfortable now but if you want to get it back you have to fight for it so I've been really mean to you I hope we're still friends Come talk to me on Twitter. Come yell at me on Twitter. I'm not perfect. I'm not out here. I'm still trying to figure out what it means for me to fight. I'm still figuring out if there's more that I can be doing. I'm still trying to figure out if anyone actually cares when I talk. So let's, let's just find courage together and find hope together. Let's keep fighting. Let's all get out and vote this fall. Let's see what happens. Okay? Okay.